All right, I'm going to try to stay within the confines of the podium today and not wear the microphone because I have a tendency of wandering. So it's going to be a big effort on my part to stay here, but I'm going to try. I'm not going to wear the microphone. I hope we all really paid attention to Bob's prayer this morning. He prayed so many things that tie in directly to what I'm going to present this morning in the lesson. So many, Bob, I wish I could have a printout of that prayer. I mean, there's so many thoughts that you brought out in your prayer that as I bring out the study this morning, this lesson, you'll see the connections, hopefully, if you paid attention to Bob's prayer. But one thing that I would, and I'm going to write it down on my notes here that you prayed. Bob said something in his prayer that is a theme in the lesson today. Bob said, to challenge our minds... And to stir us up. Remember that part? That was about halfway through his prayer. I was just, could not everything, not everything, but a lot of things that Bob was saying are going to tie directly to this lesson. But I want you to keep that in mind. Challenge your minds. And because you're going to do that, you're going to challenge your mind what you think you know. What you know should cause you to stir yourself up and maybe create something within you That hasn't been there before. Or you knew about, but never took action on. So, that prayer was perfectly worded for today's lesson. Now, as you know, a lot of my lessons are based off either current events, something I have witnessed, uh, something I have personally experienced, or even something I've read about. Today's no different. I'm going to title this lesson... The main title for those of us uh, who put the lessons out there, the title would be The Best Way to Deceive Yourself. The Best Way to Deceive Yourself. With that, kind of the subheading, and this was part of my motivation for this lesson today, a question that we're going to ask ourselves towards the end of the lesson is, do we really get away with it? The best way to deceive yourself, and as we built this lesson, do we really get away with it? Originally, I was going to aim this directly for those of us who are Christians already, because that's who I wanted to kind of focus on and how the world and our circumstances and the environment around us can cause us really to deceive ourselves in our action or lack of action. But as I work through the lesson, I would be doing a disservice because what I'm going to present, everybody needs to hear this because they are doing the same thing even if they are not already a Christian. So, for an example or for instance, um, what have we all learned spiritually from what we have done in the past? Where were our successes and our failures based on what we have done already in the past? What are we doing now to help us grow spiritually, and I mean to be acceptable to God. 
And then the third point, the third question I would ask us is, what should we do with our future, and not just for ourselves, but for all those folks we know around us? What should we be doing with our future? I've already mentioned uh, the kind of subtitle as for this was, do we really get away with it? And I'm going to tell you where I got that from. I'm not going to get into it yet until towards the end of the lesson. That came from an article I read. We went and visited our son in uh, Georgia. You know how most cities put out a little magazine, City Living, and there's comments in there, there's events, there's activities, and there's statements from the political leaders. Well, that comment came from the chief of police in Kennesaw, Georgia. Do we really get away with it? And I'm not going to get into a lot of the details on that. I am going to read you a paragraph later about his summation, which I think you will make the direct connection to a lot of us. But in his article, he mentioned how more and more they're seeing how the normal folks are willing to do little things, little crimes, to take more risks, either with crime or their driving habits, and now it's becoming the norm to where that's what they're seeing. What used to be the minority is now the majority. And he's saying that's the society we live in now. Folks who are willing to try to deceive themselves that they're not going to get caught, that they're not going to be held accountable. So just kind of that's a teaser for what we're going to read about a paragraph of what he said. But as we get on here, I'm going to read a scripture from the book of Revelation. It's going to be Revelation, the 12th chapter. And this is going to be, actually I'm going to read about three, four verses here. Revelation 12, we're going to start with verse 7 and go to uh, verse 12. Then I'm going to ask this a question. So verse 7, Revelation 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So that the great dragon was cast out, and the serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Now this is what I want you to get, because as I read through these scriptures, you're going to see this word mentioned all over throughout the Bible. Who deceives, who? The whole world. He was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So, what are we reading there in verse 9? I kind of highlighted it with my bold verbiage there. Satan, who deceives the whole world. So let me ask you a question. Who is Satan really taking his anger out on? He tried to take it out on God. What happened? God and his angels overcame Satan and his demons, kicked him out of heaven for good. Can Satan go back and affect God? No. Who is Satan taking his anger and his revenge out on now? The whole world. He is down here doing his best. He is trying to trip us all up so that we can have hell eternally with him. The inhabitants of this world are where Satan is taking out his anger. So as I mentioned, 
who is he really trying to spite? You're the tools. You're the fod. You're the fodder. You don't matter to Satan at all, period. You mean nothing to Satan. You are a game trophy. He is trying to spite God by getting at you. Tried to get God, couldn't do it. God, I'm stronger, I'm better than you, I can take everybody I want. And he can, if what? If we deceive ourselves from what was mentioned earlier, from the truth that we know, the hope that we have, how are we going to get heaven after this life? It's a simple formula. We just have to learn it and apply it consistently. So as we go through these verses on how Satan is trying to deceive us, there's going to be an aspect that you're going to make the separation of. Well, he's trying to deceive those of the world who are not Christians yet. But then yet, he and his demons are trying to deceive, in certain ways, those who already are of the faith, who are Christians trying to serve God. James chapter 1. I'm going to read James 1, 22 through 25. So, I'm going to ask you a question before I read this. Here's the question. What is Satan's greatest deception for the Christian? Okay, now let's read James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. What's Satan's greatest deception? For the Christian to try to get you to not work your faith to not be active in your faith to just listen just oh I'm good I can hear God's word I'm fine Satan's greatest adversary now is sitting right here all those sitting in this room who can spread God's word even further to the world than it has been or was, and then didn't, got stopped, can come back to it. So Satan's greatest deception is what? You don't need to have works. You don't need to act. You can just be here. And as we go through this, there's going to be more levels of this, what lack of hearing means, or lack of doing means, based on what you have heard. So his greatest deception is be, um, sorry, how do we combat that is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Simply hear and obey. That's how simple it is. I mentioned this is a simple formula. So, Satan's work to capture the Christian, trying to get us all who say we are Christians to be hearers only, like I mentioned. Lack of action, obviously, makes us a hearer only. We all know that. But, listen carefully, but choosing to do 
action word, something other than what God has instructed, also makes you a hearer only. Even though you are doing something. Only because you choose to do what? You choose to do what you want to do. Not hearing God's instruction for what you should do. So that's an aspect we really need to grasp. I don't hear, I don't want to hear. Or I hear, but I'm going to ignore. I'm going to do what I want to do. You're not hearing the word of God. So as I mentioned, I hope I'm not redundant, too redundant here. How exactly are we deceiving ourselves? Is this a new way? Is this a new formula that all of a sudden we've created? Man has been deceiving himself the same way even when Christ walked the earth with us. Those chose not to follow Christ's teaching and did not do what God says to do that was in, that we have in the Bible, but they had prophets and teachers. But they, and like us, we refused to change our lives even after learning God's truth. So that's been happening since the word was presented to the world. It's an ongoing problem. People are still deceiving themselves. First John, chapter 5. 3 through 5. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's some necessary inference there. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to want to do what Christ says to do. For he, for he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. That's in verse 3. Let me go over to the book of James again. We're talking about people who have heard the word, but yet there's going to be some aspects of how they're deceiving themselves. James 4, go here, James 4, verse 17, just directly says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good, and does not do it, to him it is sin. Are we expected to act on our faith? Are we expected to be active with our faith? Do we know this? And as the scripture says, do we do it? If we're not doing it, what does scripture clearly state? To him it is sin. How effective are you as a disciple of Christ if you are not working your faith the best that you can with the talents that God has given you? 
whatever they are. Stay there in uh, chapter 4 of James, and we're going to go back to verses 7 through 9. Instead of starting there, we're going to go back and kind of make a point here. James 4, 7 through 9. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Submit to God. That's easy to do in some things, but it's harder to do in others. And it can be really hard if you haven't listened to God maybe early in your life and find yourself in a position where now, because you are listening to God, drastic changes need to be made. Submit to God, resist the devil. Challenge your mind to stir us up, to bring us to action, as Bob prayed in his prayer. We're going to look at, I've got, I've got six points I want to bring out with some scriptures to support them. <clears throat> and as I, I'm going to give you a heading first, kind of like where the scriptures are going to take us. And so if you're writing notes, you can write this down. The first one, number one, would be thinking you're a Christian, but you do not live the Christian life. How many people do you know confess to be a Christian that aren't sitting with us today, here today? How many people that you know confess, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know simply by their lives, there's no way they could be a Christian because of what they are showing you through their actions, what they do, what they don't do. That's the obvious part. So that's what we're going to be talking about in point one here. Thinking you're a Christian, but you do not live the Christian life. It's a label some people like to use to portray them as a good person. I'm going to go to Luke 6 and verse 46. Very popular scripture, and it's just what we're talking about. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? In the heading of your Bible, it probably says something like a parable of two foundations, what you're building your life off of. So what we're talking about here are hypocrites. We're talking about folks who say, Yes, Lord, I believe in you, but I'm not going to do what you say. As we go through these, keep in the back of your mind that theme of deceiving yourself. Okay, The deception that happens if you do this to yourself. If you do this with your family. If you do this when you're around your friends, your schoolmates, your work associates. What deception can you leave that they're going to see from you? Let me go back to the book of James again. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse, yeah, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. 
That word deceive is in there again. You're deceiving your own heart by what you're saying, what you're sharing, because you're not speaking what you should speak. You're speaking different than you should speak. Are you convicted and committed about what you're saying, but it's not based off truth? How many references through Scripture can we see was that? Was Paul a good example of that? Paul's a great example of that. He thought he was doing right, and he thought he was doing God's work until he was shown the light on the road. There are people like that, but there are also people willfully like that too. So these warnings that we get through Scripture, we really need to take them to heart and and really meditate on some of these uh, points that are brought out to ensure that as we get through this lessons too, the examination that needs to take place, that we need to do with ourselves, and then also the testing of ourselves that needs to take place. Who are we? Who are we really? I know who I think I am, like the verse about seeing a man in the mirror and forgets who he saw. This is something we need to constantly do when we're evaluating ourselves and our service. First John, chapter 1, and verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Oh, I'm a Christian, but you're not going to see me doing, quote, Christian things. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. We lie and do not practice truth. Another sin. Same book, just you probably flip a page. First John is great for this topic of deceiving oneself. First John 2 and verse 4. <clears throat> he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. does not keep his commandments. Do you know his commandments? But you do not keep them? What does the scripture say that makes you? Of course we think hypocrite, but it also makes you a liar. 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 7 through 10. Little children, let no one deceive you He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, capital H, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and cannot sin, Because he has been born of God. Are you getting maybe the wrong impression here of the saying, just because you're born of God that you cannot sin? What the scripture is saying is you're not going to be prone. You're not going to be a habitual sinner like you used to be because you were constantly learning and changing and growing. You're going to be changing those aspects of your life that maybe were numerous situations of sin. 
But as you study scripture and as scripture is presented to you, you're going to learn what truth really is. And changes are going to gradually happen. That's the path of a Christian, to constantly grow and change. So that's not consistent with the Christian walk, habitual sin. If it is, who are you deceiving? If you're staying in the old sins that you now know are sins, but you're willing to continue to do them and stay in them. All this is about being acceptable to God. And that seed that's planted is reference to Jesus. That seed that we put in our hearts is we're following Jesus now. That's point one. Point two. And this kind of ties directly to what that chief of police in Kennesaw was writing about. Thinking you will get away with things. Okay? Let me go to Galatians. I'm going to read... uh, Galatians 6 and verse 7. Here's our deceived word again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Are you going to trick God? Are you going to make God anything else than what he is? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. God has already told you the outcome of this. You follow his word, and if you don't follow his word, are you going to try to pull a fast one on God? Are you going to try to find a loophole in God's truth that you're going to be able to skate around or skate through something? Scripture says God is not mocked. You are not going to be able to do that. None of us has ever been or ever will be Wiser, smarter, intellectually than God in the smallest way. We need to understand that because sometimes one of the points that we get through here is going to touch this. We can think too highly of ourselves. And I'm going to bring out a point that is pretty common. I want us all to get it. It's going to be around point four, I think. But it's something we really need to take to heart. You reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. I go to Proverbs. Proverbs is just a great direct book. Short sentences, short statements, but they're they're so concentrated. They're so condensed. And this is Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins. What would be another word for that name, cover? Hide? Hide? Deceive. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses, gets them out in the open, and forsakes them will have mercy. Whoever changes his life, her life, their life, will have mercy. The ongoing process of serving God and growing and putting our past sins behind us. So thinking you'll get away with things is not a reality with God. That is a major deception. Point number three. Saying to yourself, you don't sin. Let's go back to 1 John. I kind of told you 1 John here was just loaded. And it is. 1 John is just full of great verses about opening your eyes about what being deceived really is. 
First John, chapter 1, let's go look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I just, as I, as I read that, how blind do you have to be to say that you don't sin or you haven't sinned or maybe you won't sin in the future? We're human. We're God's creation. Who knows what you're going to face in the future that could cause you either to willfully or unwillfully sin. But the beauty of being a Christian is you have forgiveness of sin if you truly try to put that sin behind you. Genuinely. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Just go two verses down. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, capital H, a liar, and his word is not in us. So now who are you affecting? You're not only affecting yourself, you're affecting God because God has said what? You will sin. Man has sinned continually in his mind. I don't sin. I just make God a liar. If that's your mindset, if that's your perspective, you are really doing yourself a disservice if you think you're that righteous. Point four. I'm only going to have one verse for point four. And some of you might be able to guess what it is. And the point four is to deceive yourself with friends. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and 34. We quote 33 a lot. But 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and 34, as I read this, I'm going to bring out a point, and I want us to think about this. 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 34, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Ouch. That's calling you out. You should have the knowledge of God. Why don't you? Are you not spending the time? Or are you disregarding? Or are you ignoring what you need to spend time with in regards to being a child of God? Being a servant of God? Think about this when we leave the building. Who are your peers? Who do you choose to associate with? Who are you listening to that is, I'll just say, helping you decide what truth is? Is it carnal family? Is it carnal friends? Is it your spiritual brothers and sisters who are helping you to try to make good decisions and not deceive yourself? Who are you allowing to influence you in your walk with God? 
Who are you choosing to say to yourself, well, I'm going to listen to that person because they seem to know what's going on or their lifestyle fits my lifestyle better than that family or that person or that individual's lifestyle. Hey, I'm more comfortable with them. That would be good on a superficial level if it's, if it's a teaching and you want to they have a way that's easy for you to receive. But if it's just one of convenience, that's my peers because, well, they like to do a lot of the things I like to do, but then also they kind of ignore these things over here, which is I'm doing, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bond with them. This is a serious matter that we need to, to really understand about who we choose to have around us. That's not going to deceive us in such a way that we think we're okay because they're okay. And if I'm like them, I'm good. That's it for point four. Point five. Being wise in your own eyes. I've got about six verses here, but when I get halfway through, there's one I want us to really take to heart. I'm going to go Old Testament with the book of Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. What is missing from that statement? Is there any suggestion that God is helping them direct their ways? That God is the, the measure that I'm using? Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Who does that sound like? Satan himself, doesn't it? Satan himself. I know the right way. Follow me. I'm going to show you what you need to know. I'm going to trick you. I'm going to deceive you. Let me go to uh, 1 Corinthians here. First Corinthians chapter three, and we're going to read eighteen through twenty. And it's in your Bibles. It'll say something like "avoid worldly" or "avoiding worldly wisdom." Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age. Let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in his own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. What are the words as I... was reading those, one of the, it just sticks out with me. Wisdom is obvious, the one that's going to say what, but craftiness. What does that make you think of when you think of something that's crafty? To me, it was a little fox. Something that has to be smarter, wiser, better than those predators that are bigger than it to still succeed at living. 
Something that has to learn a different way to do things other than what obviously they can't do. That's what Satan is in his attack with you. He is crafty. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to get at you. He knows the ways that are easy for you to trip up. You have to be diligent. You have to be strong in realizing that so that you don't get caught in his snares like the fox would if he wasn't crafty. The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Now, this is the verse that I want us really to take to heart. Because the years that I've been serving God as a Christian, I've seen this. And it hurts my heart to see this. Because it takes place kind of regularly. And not just with people you know you might be visiting or you might and see it happen there. And this is Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, not his thoughts, his work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall what? Bear his own load. What I was referring to when I said this kind of pains my heart sometimes, I see Christians who want to compare their service simply to other Christians. And how I mean that is, well, I'm doing more than that, brother, so I obviously have to be righteous. Or I'm doing more than that sister. Or I've all of a sudden become active, you know, so I'm better, I'm more active. I'm, I feel sorry for those people. What's the benchmark that we use in regards to if we are strong in our service? We compare it to Christ. We've had lessons over the years where when we were using the whiteboard, there was a line drawn across. And it was kind of like, this is the line you want to stay close to. You don't want to drop too low in your, you know, in your, your, your actions. You want to stay as close to living like Christ as possible. There's no way you'll get above the line. You'll never be superior to Christ. But what we're talking about here is simply, you're not going to become righteous just because you do more than somebody else. Or compare yourself to somebody else in the church. When are you going to realize you're righteous? Is when you understand you're following everything that God says I am to do as a servant of yours. And you don't throw it in the face of others. You use that to help others. You see weaknesses. You're compassionate. You use what you have learned because where are our priorities when we start realizing who we should consider? We've learned from childhood that it's God, others, self. That's the order we should know and apply in our formula when we're serving God, God, other self. Examine yourself to see how close you are following Christ's example. There's your benchmark. Now you can't, don't get me wrong, you can't look to other Christians as strong Christians. Yes, definitely. There are those, and those are the folks you seek to help you in your service. 
This one I use a lot in class because it just means so much to me when it was brought out in the Old Testament um, in regards to when you think too much of yourself, but you have to humble yourself and realize, I need God in my life to follow his direction for my life. And that would be Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. He can. But what's the outcome going to be? We need God. We need the direction and instruction of God to direct our steps so that we don't stray. So that we don't deceive ourselves that, yes, I'm righteous, but I have no idea why. I just know I go to church and, and I sing songs and I'll pray with the brothers and sisters. But I'm clueless as to why I'm doing this. Men have tried and failed to do other than what God has said. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, thirteen through fifteen. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. It's building. It's slowly growing. Deceiving and themselves also being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, there's our faith and our hope, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, hopefully, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We're going to be attacked by those who are trying to deceive us because they're being deceived and they're getting more active about it. They're trying new ways to trip us up, to deceive us. Are we seeing that in our society today? Is society continually getting further and further away from God's instruction? You bet. Not only are they doing that, it's applauded. It's supported. It's promoted. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I hope this helps you the way I'm doing this. I kind of take little snapshots out of different sections of the Bible, but the theme is all there throughout the Bible of what we're talking about. It's not like, okay, it's just one presentation. This is something that God wants us to clearly understand, and we have examples throughout from front to back. In Scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. No mention of God. What are those who have been successful in this life who are atheists and don't have God? 
as we look at this, and I'm sure Chris threw his head because he's there's Mr. History right there, Chris, government politicians and all that stuff, can see a lot of their gains were done immorally, illegally, criminally sometimes, but yet they get together and band together and say we're wise because we know how to play the game. And don't you mess it up. You want to be part of us? Don't you mess it up. We'll make you rich. We'll give you what you need. Just don't rock the boat. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves to themselves. Use God. Not very wise there. Point six. How to know if you are deceiving yourself. For some of us, we're going like, well, now I know. But if you say that, do you know? If you do know you're deceiving yourself, why are you deceiving yourself? So how to know if you're deceiving yourself? Stay here in 2 Corinthians. Go over to chapter 13. We mentioned this earlier. Straight into the point. Verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not, excuse me, do test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Do you know that Christ is in you? Or do you know that Christ should be in you? Based on who you are. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What do you get when you read? What are you going to learn about yourself when you start applying the word of God to yourself? Everything about you internally, where you're strong, where you're weak, where you need to work, where you need to help others. The word of God can do that when you start spending time with it. It is living and powerful to change you and to make you who you need to become. The last part, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It will put it out there clearly as to what your actions are telling you, who you are and what you are doing. God's word will open your eyes and convict your heart. Are you surprised I'm going back to 1 John again? 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because 
Many false prophets have gone out into the world. That can cover a broad group of people, not just people who are preaching. False prophets can be anybody who's trying to get you to believe other than God's truth. Who can that be? Who would fall in that category? A friend? A spouse? A parent? A preacher? Test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? Compare them to what God says. What are you doing? What are you telling me? What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Show me the authority from right here. Are we being led astray by false prophets? It can still happen today, even though you don't put the word prophet by people trying to lead us astray. I'm going to go back to uh, the book of James. And I'm going to, this is a reminder, because we read this verse earlier. <clears throat> and that, by, that are the six points. A reminder for what we've covered would be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself, natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will what? Be blessed in what he does. I could bore you to death. I say bore you. I could entertain you. Yeah. No, some of them might be boring. With how many different ways God has blessed me since I became a Christian when I chose to do God's will, when I chose to help others understand God's will, when I raised my children to know what truth is with the help of my wife. There are blessings that you can experience in the future that haven't happened yet based on who you choose to be today and don't deceive yourself. Get that, people. Get that. And vice versa. If you choose not to be who you need to be today, you will not be blessed. You will have to work at it to get back in good graces with God. Okay. Bear with me just a moment longer. How do we prepare ourselves to not be deceived by Satan? I'm not going to turn. I'm going to paraphrase because some of these I've written down. How do we prepare ourselves to not be deceived by Satan? Satan, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Put on the whole armor of God. Verses 14 through 20 of that chapter is a description of what the whole armor of God is and needed and the mindset for the responsibility that we have as Christians. That is key to who we are and how we pre- prepare ourselves to not be deceived by Satan. Now, Mr. Police Chief of Kennesaw, Georgia. I tore the page out of the little flyer, but I'm only going to read you this little section over here. All this is good, not pertaining to the lesson. Right here. As I read this, think of yourself spiritually, okay? Because obviously this man does. 
My plea is that you consider your choices, not just from a place of whether you might get caught or whether you might get away with it, but pause and view things through the lens of self-preservation. How are you going to preserve your soul? How are you going to protect your soul? If that's not enough, consider your family and loved ones. Consider others that share your community. You share my community right here and now. My friends, my neighbors, my work associates. And he asked the question, so do we really get away with it? The answer is no. Our choices make us who we are. We can make better choices. We can make better choices. We have great success with family, job, friends, lifestyle. Otherwise, if we don't make better choices, we are positioned, understand that, we are positioned to have terrible tragedies, losses, and setbacks. It all comes around in the end, in the future, when you're not thinking about it now, while you're being deceived and allowing Satan to do his work. His closing sentences here was, we choose our paths. Isn't that true? We all choose our paths. I know we are not perfect, and we all make mistakes daily. I simply ask that we challenge ourselves. I think Bob mentioned that in his prayer. Challenge your mind. We challenge ourselves to pause and think before doing things that we know aren't right or even unsure. Find out what the right thing to do is before you do it. We could harm ourselves or someone else. Life is tough enough. Let's not add to the struggle. That ties directly in with me and how I can view my actions and how I can prevent tragedies from happening in the future. Many people in society are making decisions based on their ability to conceal their actions successfully. Also, <clears throat> the honest and ethical decisions are becoming the exception now and not the norm. And that's based on a lot of it society's influence on itself, on what we're around. People are not worried about the risk of getting caught when they do break the law until they get caught and are punished. Oops. And our personal decisions and judgments do have consequences. Where do you want to be based in the future at on those choices? And really think of your future there. How does deceiving ourselves, deceiving and fooling ourselves affect others? Us and others. By our reputation, people are going to know us for who we are. Sometimes we don't see who we are, but other people clearly do. Long-term effects. Our children's going to learn from us. 
They're going to mirror your actions. Choosing a spouse who is not like-minded, that's a battle all in itself. You could have, because you're worried about your situation, you can have health implications because of the stress and the worry and depression that could come from deceiving yourself. You're hiding something. Lastly, how does deceiving yourself ultimately affect you? Eternally. Where you're going to spend eternity. That should be a sobering thought. So, my last thought, and we'll offer the invitation. We are not Christians for the things that we know. We are Christians for the things that we do. John 13, chapter, John chapter 13, verse 17. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them for what you have learned. So as Luke 11, 28, this is the remedy. Hear God's word and keep it. Don't ignore, don't compromise, don't wait to act. And I couldn't have said it any better. And good old King Solomon, you all know the verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is man's all. This is man's duty. I hope what we have shared with you today enlightens some of how uh, being deceived and the deception can affect an individual, which can affect so many others. But ultimately, it will affect the individual's soul and could possibly affect other souls based on an individual's refusing to allow Satan in and deceive them from their true purpose in this life, and that is to serve God. Bob, can I get a print out of your prayer? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was just... As you, okay, my lesson, as you heard, <clears throat> if you can remember Bob's prayer, think of some of those other thoughts that Bob put in there about how this could actually tie in if you deceive yourself if you're not being about some of those thoughts that Bob added in his prayer. So at this time, we're going to offer an invitation for those who have not yet become Christians and realize through their study... And their clear understanding that this is who God expects me to be, a servant of God. And that once I do that, it's not just a one-time action. It's going to mean continued growth, continued study, interaction and work involved to be part of a living family that's trying to present truth at this local community here. Or wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. Your example, like what was said, you're always being watched. When you know it and when you don't know it. But you've got to start. If you don't start, welcome to your heaven on earth right here. Whatever you create is what you get. It's also a time where we allow those who uh, realize, I need help. I need support from those who are strong in faith and can pray on my behalf to help me in a situation or something I might be dealing with or something that's coming up. We offer the invitation just for those reasons. So if you have a need of the invitation, we would encourage you to come as together we stand and sing this song.